welcome to the ALN podcast series. If you like what you're hearing, you can find this and other podcasts, videos, papers, and more at assetleadership.net. Today's episode is brought to you by the Andrew James Advisory Group. AJAG provides training in the ISO 55000 standard, and our world-class training qualifies students to take the ALN A55K certification exam, an industry recognition of an individual's knowledge of the standard. Certified individuals add value to any organization's asset management initiatives. Realizing your ISO 55000 vision need not be painful. Visit us at www.andrewjamesadvisory.com to see how we can help. Now, enjoy the podcast. When we're talking about asset management, one of the things that I loved about ISO 55000 was this whole question of stakeholder management. And the fact that at the end of the day, the most important asset any of us has is our relationships with each other. And so this issue of our relationships, that means the personal and the professional, the personal are the most critical and a mother and father are the most, and then children, which Nick is learning, um, are the most important assets in our lives, um, those family members and the chosen family. The so relationships. The, the relationships, the not the people, but the relationships and how we can nurture those relationships and how we can grow them and, and the blessing that they are to us to have. So thank God for your mom. And let's go straight to reading my favorite um, asset management section, which is 4.2, the understanding the needs and expectations of stakeholders. And it's really so very simple, guys. When you read the ISO 55001 requirements, the things that you must do in order to do good asset management, they are pretty straightforward. 4.2, the organization shall determine, one, the stakeholders that are relevant to the asset management system. That means an inventory of who those stakeholders are, that are involved and are relevant to that asset management system that you're gonna manage. Two, the requirements and expectations of these stakeholders with respect to asset management. And oftentimes in asset management and ISO 55,000 discussions, we are focusing on internal stakeholders, but this needs to be extended beyond your usual suspects to include external stakeholders as well. Then three, the criteria for asset management decision-making. What decisions do you make in partnership with stakeholders? Those are the questions you need to ask then. And then the fourth one, the stakeholder requirements for recording financial and non-financial information relevant to asset management and for reporting on it both internally and externally. This is a communications aspect of it. So it's really very simple, but it ties back to understanding the organization and its context in 4.1, which is looking at 
all the external and internal issues relevant to the purpose of the organization and its ability to affect and achieve the intended outcomes of its particular asset management system. So when we look at this, one of the things that I think we have to focus in on is it's not just determining and establishing these lists, it's understanding why you're doing them, who is involved, asking, not just assuming, because you can establish all of this in a vacuum. You could sit and brainstorm by yourself and give a document, but is that document really gonna be living? Is that document going to be relevant? Is it going to be helpful? Is it going to be optimal? Not unless you include everyone in the organization and the evolution of the document. So that's my love of it. So I'm going to let you ask some questions because I can go on and on about that. Well, that's what we wanted you to start off with, that uh, explosion of excitement about ISO 55000 and, and your favorite section. And we started a little bit uh, backwards. Usually we start with how did you get to this point in your asset management journey. So I'm just going to fill in a little bit that Cecilia was excited about this section of ISO 55001 because in her community development work that she has been doing for many years before she even knew about ISO 55000, she had come up with the phrase of involving the unusual suspects. So she was already actively practicing what ISO 55000 calls out in a very structured format. And I am assuming for her that that is why she was excited. Cecilia. Well, absolutely. Cecilia, what were you going to say, Nick? Go ahead. I was just going to ask, you know, if you could add a little detail, maybe give an example of how, you know, if you don't involve all relevant stakeholders, if you fail to involve maybe some of the less usual suspects, how, you know, it, it can come back to bite you, you know, not why, not just that ISO 55000 says you should, but, you know, what are the pitfalls of not doing this? Well, let me, let me do a step back and do both things that both you and Mike are asking. So in my consulting and strategies insight, I do what I call holistic, inclusive, equitable economic development. And that meant in my mind that when you're doing economic development, you have to look beyond where you always go, beyond the usual suspects. And that's on a number of fronts. That's on the front of when an economic development organization is targeting who should come to their community and who, which businesses they want, making sure that they're not just looking at the same old targets, like large corporate offices. Um, that they're looking at service organizations that might create some of the, what we call the fabric of wraparound services for development in their community. And that they're looking at retail and different types of real estate users. And so that they also then don't look at the same locations because oftentimes, there's the favorite location where everybody goes and everything else remains undeveloped and 
and par, subpar in terms of utilization and optimization. And so the goal with this concept was that we should have people think about what's not at the table, who's not at the table, where else could we be going? And so when you look at the asset management 4.2 and ISO 55001, where it actually puts a concrete placeholder for doing this kind of inventory work, it's not rocket science, it's just a checklist, but it's a mindful checklist. It's helping you stop and think about something that's important because if you don't think about it, there's the likelihood and probability that you will not optimize your outcome. So is that answering both questions a bit? Yeah. And uh, I'm going to interject my uh, janitorial service uh, response to this. And Cecilia knows this one. I, if you're planning a new it. building or an addition and you don't involve all relevant stakeholders, you might put the janitorial closet 100 steps away from where it's needed. And 100 steps a night in each direction over the course of 100 years might end up costing you more than the building itself. So involving the janitorial services in the plans of your building, that's one example that I've made up going back to my days with BIM about uh, having people understand well, and not only that, so there's the physical, where's the janitorial closet? But where's the janitor's mindset about what his or her role is in the organization? So we often take that example and move it to, if the janitor does not know in the fire station that he must mop the floor constantly and check and make sure the floor is dry, when the fire alarm goes and the fireman comes running and he ends up on or she ends up on her derriere instead of in the truck we are seconds taken away from the fire and solving that issue so having an understanding at every level of the organization by involving all the stakeholders that's where we end up optimizing mission so that everybody knows that their role is critical, has a critical aspect in the achievement of the organization's goal. Cecilia, on that note about the organization's goal or mission, um, Jack Kelly had asked a question about uh, involving stakeholders and what role could they play or should they play in the formulation of an organization's mission and goals? Yes, we have this argument a lot because which one comes first, the goals and and the vision, the vision or and the objective, or do you get your stakeholders involved first? Well, there's a little bit of chicken and egg in this because if you are trying to do something, every organization, whatever we are doing as an organization, is being done for someone, to someone, and or with someone. And the goal in anything that you do is to make sure 
that we're optimizing the outcome for everyone. And you can't optimize it if you don't understand what people's needs are. So when you think about establishing the requirements and expectations of stakeholders, you need to know what those, who those stakeholders are first. That's why inventorying who could be impacted, who is so do, part of it. Doing an analogy of uh, an organization that wants to serve chicken and eggs, the organization may say, all right, we're going to, that's what our mission, we're going to serve chicken and eggs. But we don't know when the the customers are going to want these. So we might engage the customers to find out if we should be serving the eggs in the morning or and the chicken at lunch, or maybe it's vice versa because there's a factory and the day and the night shift gets off in the morning and they're hungry for dinner. And so they want chicken first and eggs, you know, so there's uh, stages of involvement, you know, relevant stakeholders, Maybe that there's only two people to start, you know, it's not a total vacuum. And then you keep stepping, involving more and more people as you go out. Yeah, absolutely. I, I really like how the janitor and the chicken and the eggs, both of these that we've been talking about, show how it's it's not that we don't think the leaders are smart enough or educated or, you know, really smart people can just not think quite far enough or you know they're just out of their own box it's just much easier to kind of get every perspective if you ask people who have those perspectives rather than trying to put yourself in everyone's shoes and do it all your yourself absolutely absolutely nick when was first introduced to iso uh, 55001 and 2 somebody said it's the best cover your ass document around because you can say I am doing the best possible. If there is a better standard for managing assets in the, the universe, please show it to me and I will follow that. But for right now, this is the best document to be using. And so that even if you serve the chicken at the wrong time or the eggs at the wrong time, at least you involve the people and you can cover your ass. So great, that's called risk management. It's called risk management. <laughs> it's also in this world that we live in we can all be super smart but time is limited and having a document based on iso 55000 having a strategic asset management plan for your relevant stakeholders and we're going to get back to the term stakeholders in a minute but for the relevant stakeholders is just something that makes life easier for you. Just like you have a grocery list when you go to the grocery store. It makes life easier to, in times when time is short to make sure you're not letting something fall through the cracks. And that is risk management. And risk management, Nick, to your earlier question, if you don't include all the relevant stakeholders and broaden your definition of relevant, you run the risk of omitting somebody inadvertently that can cause you problems down the road. Um, even in the example of economic development, when people are trying to bring companies into their marketplace, 
when they show you their marketplace and show you everything that they think is shiny and bright and new, and they are very quiet during the tour when you pass an area that's a brownfield or an area of a community that has not been developed, the people in the back seat of the car that are watching see it and note that there's something missing. And there's a question of your credibility and then their trust in what you're doing and their respect for your overall inclusion of your whole community. And you don't have to have a the plan already done and implemented. You don't have to have everything set, but you have to be able to address any blight, any issues and say, here's the plan we're working on. Here are the people in the community we've worked with to do X, Y, Z, to make sure that in the future, these folks that could be your customers, could be your employees, could be, you know, your vendors, they will be there and absolutely engaged. You need to do that. Otherwise you run the risk that when the company comes, they either see it themselves or they hear about it from people you don't want them to hear about it from. So Cecilia, I know you're our guest, but we're doing this as kind of a, a round table. And uh, Nick, uh, you're uh, a little younger than us, let's put it that way, and don't have quite as much business experience. So I'm curious to know, when you saw ISO 55,000 and one and two, and you studied it uh, through the uh, course that's offered by the Andrew James Advisory Group, 11 people just uh, are finishing the class and we'll be taking more uh, uh, tests uh, starting tomorrow. Um, but when you were exposed to it, what impression did it make on you in terms of seeing how an organization manages itself and the steps that all of these people from around the world thought were important to managing the assets of an organization? Did anything jump out at you? Um, a number of things, um, you know, just what came to mind as you were speaking and that I put in the chat earlier was continuous improvement and this concept of, you know, we're not fixed. We don't look at our mission, write it in stone, and then go on forever chasing that thing we wrote on the rock, um, you know, years ago. We got to continue as the stakeholders change, as the conditions of the environment in which we're the context of our organization changes, we got to continue revisiting um, not just our, our mission, but, you know, maybe start with our mission and then looking at how those processes must change to continue uh, achieving that mission and changing conditions. Um, so that was definitely one thing that jumped out at me as a best practice, not just for an organization, but for any person, you know, is to see in a hopeful sense that change is coming down the road and, and you got to continually look at your, yeah, I see your. I'm going to, I'm going to ask you to put that in context of uh, something. I know you are an avid rock climber and that you laid out a path up a thousand foot cliff all by yourself, well, a new path with one of your colleagues. So can you relate that continuous improvement concept to something that you are doing, that you experience in your rock climbing? 
Oh, I see so many parallels, but maybe one I'll mention um, for skiers out there, or, you know, and, and I think in a lot of different ways, often the people who are at most risk are people who know nothing and who people who know a lot, because if you know nothing, you don't know what you don't know. And if you know a lot, you think you know it all potentially and are subject to you know, just missing things. Um, so I think just continually checking back in, where am I at in this journey as a climber or a skier or a business leader? Um, what are the potential pitfalls that may affect someone like me? And, you know, just continue making sure that you're, you're looking, checking in and, you know, referring back to that always evolving body of knowledge uh, in your sport or in your sector or in your position and say, oh, you know, this is kind of in the vogue right now. Does this apply to me? Is this something that I've, you know, made sure I'm covering my bases? Um, just because I know time is limited, I'll speak about one more thing that jumped out uh, initially for in ISO 55000 with me. Uh, specifically 55001, is it five, uh, leadership and commitment? Yes, section five and 5.1 specifically is the leadership and commitment piece. Um, just because I, you know, and we already kind of disproved one of my initial thoughts, which is, well, the leadership sets the mission, you know, and now I'm like, oh, well, the leadership maybe sets the mission, but then immediately reaches out to their stakeholders to, you know, kind of continuously improve that mission. Um, but my basic thought, and maybe it's just jaded coming from the Asset Leadership Network as one of my big, um, as my main source of information and growing up in this asset management world, I, I really think it's so important for that buy-in from the top. Um, just to make sure that uh, they, you know, resources can be available that are needed for the asset management system, and just to provide that clarity and alignment to all the stakeholders about what is our mission, what is our direction, um, how do you know in our culture, you know, what are our values as an organization, and setting in place those the policies to kind of continue that on. So I, I really, you know recognize section five leadership and commitment as being a central part of the equation. Absolutely. And I would agree with you with that one, Nick, because you always cast the shadow of the leader in any organization to create culture. Because what we're talking about here with asset leadership is a culture in an organization. And one of the other reasons why I'm so excited, part of the work I do is diversity, equity, and inclusion work and helping organizations with their plans and programming for that. If you don't have the leadership taking the role of saying this is important, then the janitor will never know that it's important, never do it, never be interested in doing it. People are interested in doing what they think the leadership really wants and what they get rewarded for. And so this is an important thing to make sure the leader does that. I wanna just say also, Mike, it's good that you asked um, for Nick's perspective because by 2025, his generation, because I think you count as Gen Z and not millennial. I can't remember which one you are, but you'll be more than 30% of the workforce in 2025. And- Well, I'm glad you brought that up because Nick was working or thinking about that just the other day and said, 
hey, we better put some stuff out on TikTok and got a thousand views right away because Nick wanted to start interesting the future generations in this. Well, and, and, and let's go into that because we put in the art in the article a source for the from the Washington Post, the, the article by Heather Kelly. Um, and why we thought that that was important, and Mike had turned me on to it, and I said, this is an important one. We really should share it, because it was talking about if you decide to quit Twitter, how else can you reach out and maintain context? Because one of the things that we are talking about in the inventory of your stakeholders is knowing them and knowing what they're thinking and how they think, how do you find that out? You find it out by asking them, by surveying them, by looking and researching what they're saying. Twitter has been a resource for many. And this article that Heather Kelly wrote gave many other alternatives that are out there that some of us don't know about. And just like you mentioned TikTok, I actually know about TikTok, even did a TikTok dance once but I'm not using it often. I got bumped from Instagram because somebody was an made me, um, it became an imposter, Cecilia. And when I raised that, instead of taking the imposter off, they took me off. Even though they made me show my ID and a picture and everything, I have no idea. But these others, there's Mastodon. I'm just gonna list them in case you who are listening don't get to the article. But looking at Mastodon, another organization, which is very small compared to Twitter, but it's a similar organization where you can go online and they have like 380,000 monthly users versus Twitter's 237.8 million daily users. So it's not big, but it's an alternative. She talks about looking at traditional news sources that you might go to news outlets like BBC and the like, Apple News, Google News, various sources, and looking at those comment sections to understand. There are also feed um, RSS. What is RSS again, Nick? You can tell me. Oh, uh, Never mind, you don't have to tell me. It's it, it's a term that put is, it in the chat. Yeah, put it in the chat. Um, but the groups that they mentioned were Feedly, Newsify, In a Reader. And again, looking at comment sections, you can garner some information and also identify some people that you might reach out to. The newsletters that are out there, she, you know, different groups like Patreon and Kofi, she mentioned those. But the thing that I love that she said, forge personal relationships. In the world of digital, we have gone away from what is so important. Pick up the phone and call somebody. Send a text message. It's not, not as personal, but it's something you can use. Using WhatsApp, using your LinkedIn, all of these resources are there for you. YouTube, podcasts. There's all, this is a, another resource to find out information here, ALN Thursdays at three. But forging personal relationships and going beyond the digital, I would recommend highly because people are in need of learning again how to converse 
and connect. And this is critical in achieving any goal of your organization. Well, Cecilia, thank you for not only talking about your favorite section of ISO 55001, which is involving relevant stakeholders, but how to do that, to use the traditional tools of a personal connection, but not to forget that we are in the information age and that there are a host of information age tools that enable you to connect with your relevant stakeholders. Nick, and that's I a just highlight. Have one... I normally uh, send Nick notes about highlights from our guests, but I just for the first time said that's the highlight that I said. And I also want to, you know, note that some people have been chatting, and Art, you know, indicated that the way he got approval for his ISO 55001 certification was by saying it's the world class best way to cover your app. I doubt that he used those terms, but uh, he mentioned that and obeyed uh, uh, kicked in. And while we've been talking about the individual aspects of these documents, he said that the overall, the use of the documents overall is the best way to break down silos. Yes. And so thank you, Obey, for uh, uh, mentioning that. And we're gonna reach out to you on uh, you know email. Let's uh, yeah. keep the discussion going, Obey. Yeah. We'll and... let the make a final comment okay. and then uh, we'll let Nick sign off. Okay, well, let me make the final comment with throwing something else out there for you to think about. Um, stakeholders, first of all, I wanna answer Obey's question. Asset management, ISO 55000 is for tangible and intangible, and the intangible is the relationship, so yes. And then, you know, the, an example of using a podcast came to my mind. Takeout Tuesdays is something Prince George's County, and I think we might even have somebody from Prince George's County, does to reach out and share about what they're doing to reach their stakeholders. So this is a tool you can use. So, digital is important, but telling the story of your organization is most critical. And then last but not least, stakeholders. We might tra start translating that into a different term because stakeholders is not as inclusive as we really thought. Interested parties, may be a better term. It's a term that is also defined in ISO 14090, 14090, interested parties, person or organization that can affect, be affected by, or perceive itself to be affected by a decision or an activity. This is critical because stakeholders in the old days were people that owned land. They had a stake in property, and that means that you would be excluding people that didn't. So for indigenous people, black folks, that term doesn't always work. And we have to learn to be more sensitive and start learning what people will relate to. So interested party might be one. And interest is important because it's about curiosity and excitement, not just the financial. It's getting them involved. And that's what I think is critical. So thanks to Mike for introducing me to ISO 55000 um, and Asset Leadership Network. I have enjoyed this and it, it aligns with what I do outside of the world of 
asset management of things, but people's relationships being managed is most critical. Well, I will uh, um, um, echo uh, what people are saying. They're, they're very uh, grateful for your comments and what you bring to us. So thank you for your interest in the Asset Leadership Network, Cecilia. You are a ball of fire that uh, lights the way for us. We really appreciate that. Glad to be a part. I learn every day with you guys. We hope you enjoyed our podcast, and we would like to thank the Andrew James Advisory Group for their sponsorship. For more information about AJAG and their services, please visit www.andrewjamesadvisory.com or email info at andrewjamesadvisory.com. You can find this and other podcasts, videos, papers, and more at assetleadership.net.